boils and ghouls. You're listening to Crypt Creepers, the podcast where we cast a voyeuristic eye over the greatest horror anthology of our generation, Tales from the Crypt. I'm Mary Johnston, and this totally legal, totally cool member of the medical profession is my brother, Thomas Johnston. <laughs> <What's>, <laughs> are you being a mute? Are you being a mute witness to murder? Yeah, absolutely. I, was, I mean, <laughs> are you making fun of the mute community? Definitely not. <laughs> Definitely not. Wait, are you making fun of the community who can keep up when they sing? I was I was going hell mel, and then I noticed that you were not quite with me, so I slowed down. But then I sped up. I know. I was I was I'm I'm charging out of the gate. We gotta talk about we gotta talk about the sep. Tell us Evil Doctors. Evil doctors. Pro- literal uh, wait, what does he call it? He doesn't call it an insane asylum, but he does hold on, I have to look at my notes. He does call it something hilarious. Arc. Um man, where is it? I don't know. I can only assume that you're shuffling through your yellow legal pad right now. No, no, no. It's on my computer now because I have I've joined everybody in the in the early 2000s. Did you used to take paper notes, right? That you would shuffle? Yep. Yeah. And then I would shuffle them right into the, and then presumably um, he would have to, uh, he calls it a sanatorium. A sanatorium. Ooh, he's very old timey. Um, yes. If not for that cat costume, we'd have no idea what time places, the time and place this was taking well, place. And also like Paul's haircut. And also Paul's suspenders. Um, right. And also the fact that Paul looks like an extra from American Psycho. <laughs> yes. Would you like to highlight the notable talent attached to this episode? Absolutely. So the director is someone who I think you would love, Mary. His name is Jim Simpson. You're like, he is Sig- he's a big old pervert. No, no, no. no. He's, he's Sigourney Weaver's husband. Okay. He was okay. Kind of, I'm he, listening. He doesn't, have, he doesn't exactly have a ton of directing credits, um, but he was an assistant director on Event Horizon. Okay. Yeah. Right. Into it. Yep. Also assistant director on Spice World. <gasps> so two movies that you and some other people love. So yeah. it's great. Yeah. Uh, I'm thrilled to know that he did both of those things. Yeah. Maybe all three of those. And that there is a connection, direct connection between those two things. <laughs> I wish so Sam, anyway. the only thing, the my only regret is why didn't he get Sam Neill to be in Spice Spice World? Yeah. Do you follow uh do you follow Sam Neill on Twitter? He has a delightful Twitter. Oh, feed, which is like full of him. Does he hate Donald Trump? Um y- yeah, but remember also isn't Sam Neill is he Andrew can fix this later or just leave this in so it looks like we're being very spontaneous. Isn't he is he from New Zealand or something? Like Sam Neill is not I do, I believe I an, do not an believe Sam Neill is an American person. Right. No. And so he's not quite so fired up about Trump. No, he's usually like posting like I don't know if he has a farm or if he just likes animals, but he'll post like cute cute videos of sheep and then like also funny pictures of him with celebrities you've forgotten about or you know stuff like that. So he's 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 a reasonable reasonable follow. So like a, a follow where you can look at it with um, your young children for the cute animals and also those forgotten celebrities with your mother. Right, because I don't think he does a bunch of swears. Yeah, um, Anthony Hopkins is like that too. Anthony Hopkins posts a lot of like videos. No of swears. Like is Anthony Hopkins like stuff. is Anthony Hopkins avatar picture of a swear jar? He's like this is a swear free zone. 
He's not like Bobby De Niro with all those cusses about 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 the commander in chief. I mean, if anyone deserves those cusses, though, um, it's I Bobby do like the idea nope. that you're like, I mean, Anthony Hopkins is the main Simbad of Twitter. No swears. <laughs> I, was, I was like, he goes on seven voyages. <laughs> so the writer of this episode is Nancy Doyne. Um, who didn't do a lot of other things, but she did um, do some uh, screenplay for Tales from the Dark Side. Mm. Um, in our cast, we have Richard Thomas as and Dr. Also, Trask. And also, one of a rare, a rare lady in the director oh, sure. slash writer category. Well, yes, yes. yeah, And, and, and actually, I think that I was actually the um, uh, directing and writing staff being relatively less experienced for this um, is uh, surprising given how slick and tight i think this episode turns out to be yeah yeah, yeah. Which, if you had yeah. told me that the writer of this also wrote basic right. instinct i would be like yep <laughs> also maybe did some punch-up work on fraser <laughs> i love your observation about the music <laughs> yeah it's such fraser music so richard thomas is dr trask this is of course john boy walton we can now pretend that we watched the waltons but but okay famous child Night, john boy Right, right. Yep. Night out, you wishes. Oh yeah. Good night, Gracie. Yep. That's all I know. I, I don't know. It. I don't know any of it. So I'm just making right. up names. Pander. <laughs> night <laughs> Wilbur. Night, night Wilbur Walton. <laughs> okay. He's also the adult Bill in it, the TV series version. Not oh, the. Oh uh, yeah, he totally is. I kept trying to yeah. figure out why he looked familiar to me, and that's absolutely why. Um, right. And then also, if if you followed my orders and listened, watched The Americans, which is very good, he's Agent Gad in that, too. I so watched, he's, he's I feel like, character. the first season of The Americans. Yeah. He's and the, I enjoyed he's it. The, he's the boss FBI agent um, in the earlier seasons of The Americans. Got it. He is the son of two ballet dancers, and he does a ton of stage work um, and is a uh, Shakespearean actor, um, uh, at least sometimes, which is kind of cool. So he seems like an interesting dude. Um, and then Patricia Clarkson is Susie. Oh, um, I, I love like, yeah. Patricia Clarkson. Yeah, yeah. She's like, isn't? I feel like she's like the heavy cameo queen. Yeah, I, um, she's, she's in the Untouchables. Like, she's sort of like mm-hmm. Sarah Paulson, I would say, yeah. in terms of like celebrity. In that, maybe people don't know, like people generally might have to look up her name when they're talking about her. They're like, oh right. yeah, every, yeah, who's yeah. that? But person? you're always like, oh, it's her. Yeah, I've seen. But her every before. time yeah. that every time you see something with her and she surprises you to be in it, you're like, yes, like you love her. Yeah, and she was also in the Deadpool. I'm not being funny about the Ryan Reynolds movie. We're talking about the Clint Eastwood Dirty Harry movie. Mm-hmm. Um, she was also in Six Feet Under, Far From Heaven. She's the one who's not Julianne Moore in that one, or Julianne Moore. And then also, um, she's in House of Cards. Don't ask about her character. Didn't watch anything beyond like two seasons of House of Cards. Yeah. Turned out, I am vindicated by history in that decision. Yes, you um, knew all along, which actually made you right. worse because you didn't say anything. <laughs> oh man, um, you've trapped me. Um, trapped. And then. Then Reed Burney is Paul. Um, he uh, is also in shows that I don't really watch. He was in House of Cards too, so that's a little fun connection. I do not know if uh, he and Patricia Clarkson share scenes. I don't know. Don't ask me. Um, also, he was in Blacklist. Hmm. Um, Paul Allen, I assume, presume. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Paul. Yeah, exactly. And that's that. That's pretty much uh, that's what I got. All right. Cool. Cool. Um, so this episode is one fateful Halloween night. Susie, Patricia Clarkson, is struck mute after witnessing her murder. Or, or, blah, is struck mute after witnessing. 
Sorry, I'm not laughing. That's so awesome. All right. Shush. <laughs> Shut it down. On one fateful Halloween night, Susie is struck mute after witnessing her neighbor murdering a woman in his apartment. Sort of a rear window thing where she's looking across the alley or the courtyard or what have you. And Susie is uh, placed in the care of Dr. Trask, who, alas, turns out to be the man who committed the murder she witnessed. Bum, bum, oh, bum. fortune. And uh, when I first read about this, I was under the illusion that he might not know that that's what she knew. Right. I did right. not remember this episode. I'm pretty sure this is the first time I for this show is the first time I watched this episode. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Me, too. I don't remember it as a kid. And I also. Yeah. If you were a kid, uh, could some credit. They would understand it. Probably like the it doesn't. I don't think it would stick out to me the same way it did now. Right. You'd be like, where is the chainsaw? Where's a man with a melty face? Right. But I thought it was going to be one of those things where he was trying to, like, coax her to speak. And uh, no, Dr. Trask knows the entire time. Right. Which is pretty. Uh, is, he figures it out. They, 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 they do a good job of establishing why. It's not just like he magically knows. I mean, he sees her. Right. Yeah. Well, and then also the. Well, I, I don't. You know, I I don't think so. Remember, he goes out and he's like, or he confirms because then he goes out like, oh, where was she? And they go out on the they go out on the patio on the porch or the, the, the balcony. Um, and and then and then I think that and then he then he seems to. Then he pieces it like, together. Yes. Yeah. Or at least, so he may have suspicions. He, under, but I think he that's figures when he, it out. That's when he's like, "We gotta do something." Anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So, um, I would say this is a pretty light moralistic episode. I mean, it's it's kind of it's either incredibly heavy or incredibly light. I don't think that like <laughs> the common man is supposed to learn necessarily very much from this. Do you agree or disagree? Oh, I, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, this is this this is basically like I think kind of a. Um, it posits a horrifying situation um, and uh, uh, sort, sort of just runs with it a little bit um, as much as you can with a, you know, 20 minutes and change kind of uh, TV episode. I mean, maybe although there is maybe like sort of um, a uh, a reading rainbow moment in that I'm pretty sure Susie must be illiterate because absolutely no one gives her a pen oh, or a piece of paper to write down yep. why she yep. has been yep. struck yep. mute. Yep. You want to you want to just dive right into this? This doesn't. Uh, so this episode, uh, which is not something to, a, to be honest with you, I didn't think about until I started writing up my notes for this. Oh, no, no. Immediately. I was like, yeah, just have her like write murderer. <laughs> yeah. Who's um, the murderer, Susie? But there's a, so anyway, I think that this episode I didn't um, unlike some of the other ones. I wasn't like, what's the source material for this? Like, but this episode has a lot of what I would call Tales from the Crypt 50s itis. Um, where the the people who are clearly supposed to be, you know, 80s and 90s modern people, like, interact with the world in a very funny, that sort of retro way. Mm-hmm. Um, where, you know, right, when she is out on the balcony and all of a sudden can't talk, her husband isn't like, oh, my gosh, maybe she's having a stroke. Let's call the EMTs. Um, yeah. <laughs> instead, he's like, I'm just going to pop next door and get the doctor, who I think is a shrink. It almost sounds but, like he, like, goes down and, like, talks to, like, the doorman. And the doorman's like, oh, you know what? There's actually an eminent psychologist or a psychiatrist that lives right, right across right. the Dr. street Trask, that I know right across, about. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, exactly. Well, and really, like, really, no, it's more old-fashioned than that. I feel like he, like, runs out into the town square and is like, help, help, is there a doctor? And the doctor shows up with his little black bag containing sedatives, right? So, like... This means that Dr. Trask either completely is like is like is like a uh, a Hannibal Lecter style like brain genius where he just already knows what's going on 
or that he just happens to be like rolling around with sedatives in his bag, like in case he has to, you know, knock out some crazy people like on his on his off time. When he's in not his at the defense, sanatorium. he might have brought those home to because he was about to murder his wife. Who knows? You know, I, I feel like that's more of a crime of passion, though, because she is. I mean, not, that doesn't not, not defending him, but she's like they're, they're like clearly having a, a big like fight. some sort of domestic dispute. And they're fighting, right? And then he hits her with the lamp and then he pulls the cord. It's kind of chilling, but he pulls the like, like the pull cord off his blinds, which, you know, is a thing that I don't think can actually happen. And then he like, you know, strangles her with it. So I'm just saying, like, I don't think that he was planning the perfect murder. I think he was just like, you know, but he is a he is a world class He's the beast. He's a oh, world yeah, class 100%, 100%. 100%. So yes, maybe yes, maybe yes. he would have said us. I mean, like, I think also a lot of people. Je- I mean, I don't know, because I was always raised in a medical household. So I already know that that's a bunch of baloney. But yeah, yeah, yeah. or at least in my experience, it's a bunch of baloney. Um, what is having like if doctors having a little ba- black bag <laughs> full of sedatives. Yeah, 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 it's not sure. a thing. Um, be like, be like, oh yeah, dad's home from work. It's, it's like he works at like a steel mill. He doesn't come back with his toolbox full of scalpels. Um, right. yeah, well, and even then, like, and even and, then, and, those right, guys this, don't do this that makes, either. This makes perfect sense, right? Because, like, exactly, most people you have the accoutrement of your profession at home, but usually you're not like set up to like run your business out of your house on the side when that's not how your business works. Yeah, pretty much the only people I know who do that are people who have uh, white, uh, sorry, white collar like computer jobs to bring their computers home. Right. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I mean, it's not you don't go to like you don't go into you don't have a friend who's a bartender and you go to your house and you're like, serve me up some drinks. Let's make some tiki drinks. Let's get on it. What do you mean you don't have blue curso here? (laughs) You don't have you don't have creme de coconut on hand. Oh, what kind of bartender are you? But no, so other things, right? He works at a sanatorium, which is like a hilarious way to talk about an asylum. Um, He describes it as the last grievous stop of the irretrievably insane. Wow. Which I'm pretty sure, you know, I'm not a. I'm not a 1980s psychiatrist, but I bet they don't say stuff like that. And then also well, this is the 90s, too. This is 91, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is like he's like this guy is basically Frazier. This guy is Frazier. <laughs> and then he also says at some point something about bar the doors, which makes it seem like, you know, after he boots. um, uh, What's the guy's name? Paul. The husband. Paul. Paul. He, after he boots Paul Allen out of the uh, out of the sanatorium, he's like, bar the doors, which makes it kind of seem like Susie is maybe the only patient. And also kind of like maybe does he live inside the sanatorium? <laughs> it, no, he says it, I do think maybe he says it with all the panache, though, of someone who's like, you know, like bar the doors to the castle. We shan't be letting anyone in this evening, you know, kind right, of. Right. He's like, I'm going to do a bunch of weird. weird stuff to all the people I've trapped here. Right. And he also has so, a uh, nurse whose name is Desk. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's one of those things where you're like, didn't someone be like, I- I'm sorry, Desk? Does her name right. have to be Desk? Well, it, it is he's never called Desk, right? It's just he like does. He calls her Desk. Oh, man. I he's like, I get that. Desk. <laughs> I mean, I assume when I saw it in the thing, I was like, oh, she must be like the desk. Yeah, yeah this must be like this is like a filler, like like desk nurse or, you know, no, what I mean? he, call, he addresses her, her as desk. Nurse desk. They, uh, that's 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 probably a script writing mistake. That's a weird thing. <laughs> I don't go get that. ugly woman. Number five. <laughs> yeah. Old crone. Yeah. yeah right. Even those things are more descriptive than, de- than desk. It's weird. <laughs> go get barbell. Yeah. Go get front door, the person. Yeah. 
Okay, but but okay. Sorry, I, uh, thank you for allowing me to have a little brief digression there. So, what do you think the moral is? Oh, we're still there. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, we never move. Eh, like it's about authority and how you shouldn't just assume that someone who has um, advanced degrees and a position of power in society is like a normal person who has your is best. Is not also a murderer. Yeah, you yeah. shouldn't. You shouldn't assume those people have your best interests at heart. Especially if your gut reaction would tell you absolutely they don't, you know, like that's that I think is the main thing. Like when he uh, when Paul has the a brief discussion with his sister, Dolores, who I'm like, more of Dolores. She's great. Where basically Mm -hmm. she's just like, hey, you need to like like completely nuts. Yeah, she's like, I mean, it just seems like this is wrong and you should make sure that that guy is not like a terrible doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, for sure, for sure. I don't think your doorman knows. Yeah, you went out into the you went out into the middle of the square like a town crier and found this guy. That's not. I mean, <laughs> like no. As, as 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 we all know from uh, uh, show favorite, uh, uh, for better or for worse, you know, aphasia is a thing that can happen to people. And uh, maybe your wife needs a needs a CAT scan or something. Yeah, that's something. We, maybe she's maybe. not crazy. Maybe there's right. something actually wrong. Yeah, yeah, that that well-known uh, symptom of mental illness, which is only the loss of ability to speak. Yeah, yeah, um, um, yeah. So I I have I have written out three in my notes. I typed. I can rustle some paper if you prefer. Mm. Um, here here are my morals. Yeah. Do you have like a, an old receipt in your pocket you could crinkle for yep. authenticity yeah, yeah, yeah. purposes? Oh, or is or is my house on fire? Oh no! Oh no! It actually sounds like you're breaking up. Oh no! Are you going driving through a tunnel? Getting into an Don't elevator? Don't drive, kids. No. So here are my here are my morals. You must master your fear, or your fear will be your master. Oh man! Number one. Number two. Some people deserve to die. And number three. <laughs> oh, oh, for the doctor, I was like, what? Jeez. Okay. What do you have against number- Paul? And number three, smash the mental health patriarchy. Well, and I think yeah. those are pretty. Those are pretty. Yeah, good. those are pretty. Those are good ones. But yeah, the, like the moralism here, it's it's. I think the there is clear black and white morality, but it's not like seeking to instruct. I mean, the instruction would be like, yeah, don't murder your wife, and then like torture the only witness to try and cover up your crime, or like try to like learn something about your doctor. Don't just like right. Yeah, stick people at their just... most vulnerable in a position where they are in completely in control of this man. Right. Yep. 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 Um, so I suggest we talk about the trope of evil doctors first. Yeah, um, love it, love it. And I want all to, doctors evil. Sources say, kinda, kinda. Um, and I would like to start at. So this is an idea that, of course, is very old. Um, going back to like Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, mad scientists, all that great stuff. And I, oh yeah, so so you you're taking doctors to include PhDs. I am. Yes. What about doctors of theology? Sure. <laughs> Evil preachers. Evil I mean, preachers. which is like totally its own trope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah. They don't need they don't need our help. But um yeah. but yeah, like Dr. Frankenstein for sure. Sure. Right? And Although he might I can't remember if Frankenstein is supposed to be a medical student or not. It's probably basic science. Hmm. Who knows? <laughs> when Mary Shelley was 17 and writing this story uh like in an evening, I'm not sure she was like super worried with that, but Maybe she was, though. <laughs> she was like, I'm Wait. just going to write a, a treasured classic here. I'm not too worried. 
about. Wait, in a couple hundred years, what residency would would Victor Frankenstein do? <laughs> is he like ears, nose, and throat, or like yeah, is what? he like an ENT? Or I think he might have gone into immunology. Yeah, maybe he just like stuck around and got his PhD. Yeah, yeah, but of course. So I, uh, so you know, I think right as sort of Western quote unquote modern people doctors and scientists um, and I chose to kind of focus more on like medical doctors just because of the nature of this uh, represent this sort of ultimate I would say kind of like pater- like lowercase p paternal authority uh, not necess- not not necessarily explicitly male but in the sort of like you will do what I say because I know what's going on and you need to like listen to what I say and there's you know, kind sort of, of no way you could know what I know I am the expert right, right. here's the problem Sometimes that's kind of true, but yeah, um, you know. Oh, for is example, that the problem like, that's sometimes kind of true? Yeah, of course. Like, yeah, right. The problem is that that's sort of true, but they're not. They're, they're, doctors and scientists generally do a pretty bad job of like explaining themselves, and then just get mad when uh, when you know people don't quite want to just get on board with whatever they want. Um, but anyway, right. So, but and you also have this kind of. I think kind of ultimate betrayal. I think evil doctors are a lot like evil moms, which is another great thing in horror. Evil parents where mm-hmm. you're supposed to be. You, it's this ultimate betrayal of this trust. You're supposed to be placed in the in the care. This person is, you know, I mean, there's a reason that we still make doctors swear the Hippocratic Oath, which is which is like right, like a funny thing. It's funny that there are modern professionals who are like, I promise to not hurt people and only use my powers for good. Yeah, it's um, sort of like how we make but, the but, president of the United States promise not to be like a crime lord. Yeah, well, but I mean, but but that was if they did that promise, every president would have broken that promise. Damn. Hot Yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, but but you know, being placed under the care and being helpless in the face of an evil malign force is 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 bad. And I think that medicine is a source of terror for a lot of people. It's expensive. It's unknown. It represents literal mortality. It's the betrayal of your your body is betraying you. Uh, you know what I mean? It's 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 people. There are people who are very afraid of hospitals um, because it's a it's a source of death and misery. Yeah, and of course. Totally get it. Totally get it. Um, I think that evil doctors also are a good uh, good vehicle for hubris. You know, using your knowledge for evil. Yes. Um, so that's what I kind of focused on. So I have this uh, quote from one of Sherlock Holmes' many adventures when he was. Uh, trailing mm-hmm. a one Harold Shipman, who was a uh, medical doctor who became a serial killer. And mm-hmm. uh, Holmes had this to say, when a doctor goes wrong, he is the first of criminals. He has nerves <laughs> and he has the knowledge. So I oh, awesome. <laughs> I focused in on uh, doctors make people uncomfortable, obviously, because they are intimate with parts of life that people don't like to think about, namely sure. their blood and guts. Like what goes on on the inside, most people don't know what that's that's about, or definitely have not seen it firsthand, sure. right? And try to shield sure. themselves from it. <laughs> um, and doctors are also intimate with death, um, <laughs> and to have that person uh, decide that they are more interested in um, ambition or science or like a pursuit of science, right? That's like the Frankenstein story. Or in this case, uh, just kind of like a psychopathic, um, narcissism, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that they are going to reject the compassionate side, which you would expect someone who would study to be a doctor. Um, that's a, that's a very scary thing. 
I, I think also uh, what you're describing also is right. Doyle did some medical training. Isn't uh, Sherlock Holmes based on Sherlock Holmes is supposedly based on some of his uh, teachers in medical school or whatever. Isn't that right? Yeah. Well, at the very and, least Watson, he's like, right. doctors might know everything, but gosh, are they gullible? No, no, no. Brilliant. So I, th- I think, no, I think a lot of this is, um, is, is, is the kind of, there's this idea of, um, the sen- in the sense of meritocracy, doctors are supposed to be, oh, they're so smart and hardworking. And so if they turn evil, oh, my gosh, those awesome brains turn to evil. That's how you get like the guy Richie Holmes, right? Where it's kind of like, if you know about anatomy, it also means you're a karate master. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, you can study or, your um, way. It's or, like all those people right. who own power yoga books and are like right, yogis. Right. Um, but like, but yeah, but just to say that I think Doyle is also like kind of kind of doing the whole like doctors are awesome. Let's make sure they don't go wrong. Totally. So I I, I have some good uh, I, I came up with some examples um, and I tried to pair off at least initially until it fall, fell apart. Real life examples with fictional examples. Oh, cool. Um, for example, I would submit we have the real life Dr. Mengele and the sort of the whole trope of Nazi doctors. Right. Mm-hmm. This idea that people who are I mean, like that's got to be the closest thing in our pop culture headspace. I mean, all sorts of all sorts of terrible medical experimentation is actually done historically. But these guys are like the closest thing to real mad scientists, probably that, you know, that is generally aware of. Right. Like there's there were these guys. They did this medical training. They did all they, they, they learned all this stuff. They all turned into terrible racists. They did horrible experiments on children. They caused all kinds of death and misery. There's all these stories about Mengele, like picking out and like giving candy to the kids he would later dissect. Like it's, it's very dark. Right. And I would equate them with Dr. Armitage and the Armitage family and the coagula procedure from Get Out, where it is sort of this idea of like medicine that has gone horribly racistly wrong. So, okay, so we have that. So let's talk about everyone's favorite impaired neurosurgeon, Dr. Dench, Dr. Death, right? He either was poorly trained or was an impaired physician and crippled and hurt people. Horrible narcissist, I think. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. I this doesn't this doesn't chart exactly, but I would equate him with Beverly and Elliot Mantle, of course, the identical twin brothers from Dead Ringers. Oh, I love if that you recall. Movie. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. I love the like weird red, like clerical yeah. looking scrubs. But remember, um, I can't remember if it's Beverly or Elliot. It's been I should rewatch it. But remember, they 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 get, they get into drugs sort of weirdly and codependently and then are haunted by the by the mutant women and then make all those horrible uh, gynecological uh, tools. Yeah. Gynecological tools which, that they then use on real people, you, you know, so which would you like me to fold that back to you? Yeah. So do you know how gynecological tools were created? I don't think. And no. Mm. Gynecological tools, especially um, the oh, man, now I'm not going to remember what it's called. The, the duck bills. The speculum. speculum speculum were created by a uh, physician who also owned many slaves and he experimented on his oh, on the sure. women who he had enslaved. And that is where a lot of our modern gynecological like, tools we use to this day. Yeah. Obviously, they have gone through some iterations. Right. Like, I'm not insane. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so I think that it's actually sort of weird. There's a lot of there's a lot of medicine that sits and science for sure that sits on the back of, well, this person did this terrible thing. But, you know, now we have that knowledge. And uh, turns out you can crank a vagina open that way and we need to crank them. So here we go. Right. No, no, for sure. For sure. I, I can't remember the guy's name either, but I know there's 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 uh, like statues and stuff of him in Mississippi, South Carolina, wherever it is. Yes. And he, I was thinking about he's him. Like the, he's one of the big the, fathers the of gynecological science. You know, and and, and the, there are a lot of there are a lot of um, American surgeons who did sur- who did, you know, unwill or un, 
unconsented surgery on slaves and yeah, the, yeah. It, all, and of does course all of human history certainly science and medical history stands atop a pile of human skulls like literal pool of blood um right but right, right, yeah right. i mean and i i think that there's like a lot of a lot of people use this as an opportunity to kind of yuck it up and they're like oh, that's why it's so torturous <laughs> and you're like no actually that's not funny like it's but so t- not funny it's funny that you bring this up though um because the, my next example is um uh, the dentist from Little Shop of Horrors, ah. right? Who's a sadist, right? You know, you, so he's sort of like, he's like a, he, like the plant is sort of a human Venus flytrap and that he lures you into his office and then he hurts you and then he charges you money yeah. <laughs> and you're supposed to feel grateful for it, right? The real world example of this is all around us. Think about any clinician you've ever interacted with. <laughs> anytime, anytime someone, <laughs> you go to the doctor and you say, I hurt right here. And they say, you hurt right there. And they put, jam their finger right in where you hurt. We all we have all experienced this. That's true. That's true. Um, and and so and, and and again, like that. This is that's like a funny example, but th- this also speaks to again that sort of control. The I will hurt you, but only in a but but in a yeah, and and that is fine and appropriate and right because I know what I'm doing. <laughs> right, and you came to me. You chose this from me, so you clearly want my opinion and me to jab you right where it hurts. Right. So this is where I ran out of kind of uh, good real life examples. But to briefly touch on some other ones, we have Hannibal Lecter, who is kind of who ties in with your Doyle uh, quote in that it becomes the thing where we like to pretend that uh, that do- doctors are so brilliant in polymaths. And if, if they should ever use their knowledge for the dark side, they'll become impossible brain geniuses. Right. You know, Hannibal Lecter is a brilliant psychiatrist. So he just basically is, is basically is a prophet with second sight kind of uh you know, with regards to people. And I almost wonder not to not to derail you mm-hmm. too badly, but I almost wonder if so, of course, I think and, and maybe it's just because we come from a medical family. Of course, uh, we sometimes joke around about um, like narcissistic, but ultimately sort of like obnoxious uh, doctors that we have known. Right. Sure. And yeah. people people who like right like they're like I mean like Ben Carson's ex- excellent example seems like an utter idiot operates on children's brains like whoa right <laughs> what yeah. Yeah. like that's a crazy idea but I almost kind of wonder if and so you would think that this idea of doctors being so like like wickedly smart being geniuses and like that just being something we accept you might mm-hmm. think that that is and of course like it's hard to get into medical school blah 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 like I live in the world right right yeah right. but I almost wonder if that is not so much for the doctor I mean. It is for the doctor's benefit because you can command mm-hmm. a good salary and people trust you and all those things. But it's almost like the patients also have to believe it because otherwise, why would they let that person <laughs> dig around in their body? Yeah, no, 100 percent. Yep. Right. Yep, so yep, it's yep. sort of like it's it's not really a lie, but it's this like convenient exaggeration that allows mm-hmm. this status quo to pr- continue. Um, yeah. On, no, on, par- right. on parts of both and, and like, right. And if you're a doctor, you must at least somewhat believe and like o- overestimate your own abilities just so that you can like do what needs to be done. I would suspect. I think that yeah, that's if you're true. Gonna, in if any you're going to open somebody up and rummage around inside of them, you have to you have to at least kind of believe that you're going to do a good job. <laughs> right. Right. And like not and, yeah. and not be crippled with self-doubt is what I'm getting right. around to. Yeah. No, no. hundred percent. And I think that doc- doctors. Like, you know, you, you know how like smart people in general, smart people are the best at tricking themselves. Mm. You see this all the time. We have. Right. I think doctors speak to our cultural myths of meritocracy and also our cultural myths of is it called like the is it the G effect, the general effect or something? This idea that if you're good at one thing, you're probably good at a bunch of mm-hmm. other things, too. 
Yeah, yeah. So or if you know, like, right, if so, you have a wonderful vocabulary, you must be an excellent driver. And you're like, what? That right, doesn't make right, any yeah. sense. Right, right, right. Or as Mitch Hedberg would would be would talk about, you know, can you do stand up comedy? Well, can you write for shows? You know. Oh. Um, Right. But but just this idea that um, so so I th- feel like it's always, you know, doctors think that they can then play the stock market or like I, I went to medical school. Of course, I can run my own small business or I went to medical school. Of course, I can be a state senator. Yeah. You know, the, the, and then you also have society being like, you are brilliant. You are great. And then you're like, I am brilliant. I am great. And then you then you're Ben Carson. Um, so <laughs> so the other um, ones I have, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Uh, this is very on the nose for this, um, even even down to like lobotomy being used as sort of a punishment. Um, the horror of mental health care. I feel like everybody, the, the scariest are 60s style insane asylums <laughs> is such a staple of horror everywhere. Uh, yeah. My last example that I have and then I will then I will stop talking so much. Um, the Repo Men in Repo, a genetic opera, mm. which I think counts as horror and not just because of Anthony Stewart Head's singing voice. Um, hey, he and- was Frankenfurter on uh, on London's Broadway. How, how, how was that possible? I mean, I, I it look was a at, long time ago. You look at Repo, you look at the musical episode of Buffy. I mean, Frankenfurter is a show stopping like Frankenfurter is like right up there with being Jesus and Jesus Christ superstar. You got to have some pipes. I mean, I, I would think so, but I don't know. Here you go. And he did it anyway, legitimately. Like it was, it was professional. It's yeah, not like it he did it for like, like a community theater yeah, right. production. Or like, or like a wheeze where they're like, no, he wasn't, he wasn't <laughs> Justice famous Anton yet. Justice Anton Scalia will be Frankenfurter no. one night only. He wasn't famous yet. So yeah. Yeah, sure. Tell and me. then, um, I, right. I would also point out Bruce Campbell in Escape from LA. Do you, do you remember Bruce Campbell Escape from LA? Of course He's I do. I love Escape. Surgeon General I'm, of Beverly Hills. I am yeah. I am of the small minority that enjoys Escape from LA more than oh, I enjoy yeah. Escape from New York. Oh, don't. Oh god. Okay. Well, there go all of our <laughs> subscribers. Good night everybody. Um <laughs> But I like but I, think, I like the little the little vignettes. Yeah, oh yeah. No. No, no. I I also like Escape from LA quite a bit. Um <laughs> And uh, I think also, what was the other movie? There was another movie where is it like is it like Forrest Whitaker and uh, one of those like one of those uh, British actors who never smiles, um, which is just like Repo Man. It's like Repo, the genetic opera, but it's played straight. And it's also called like Repo Man or something like that. But this idea of human beings as basically just being parts and meat. And I think that uh, there's a certain amount of horror uh, in the medical profession because doctors just see people as meat and machines and grist for the mill. And you can take this literally, right? Like doctors are not sympathetic and don't appreciate the spiritual or emotional side and just, you know, treat people as like machines. But I think that also we can also look at this when we think about with a with a private medical system. A lot of people feel like when they go to the doctor, the way I feel when I go to the mechanic, where you're kind of like, I have to just take your word for it because I don't really understand what's actually wrong. But I feel like you might lie to me and rip me off, but I don't know enough to even have an educated opinion on that. And so, you know, and in I also a sense, don't right? have time to figure it out. Right, like, right, right, right. The amount of time it would take me to understand if you were ripping me off is not worth my time. Right. And then and then this then this introduces all kinds of uh, concern for the motivations. Right. Is does does the mechanic do a poor does the mechanic or the doctor do a poor job with the thought of maybe billing later or because they're they, they don't have time to do a good job and this sort of distrust that that that, that seeps in um, and also this idea that maybe the profit motive does not align with uh, uh, what is good for you or good for society. And we will continue to have more talks about this um, 
as a culture, um, or as, as Americans moving forward as healthcare costs rise and people are going to have to get real about that at some point, or maybe not, or maybe may- not. Maybe we'll vote our way out of it, folks. Yeah. We'll just, Elon Musk will come. <laughs> Democracy will work. Yeah. But I think basically what all of this is circling around, I think is the main, is the main um, piece of this, which is why are doctors scary? Because they have specialized knowledge and authority, which they can abuse to hurt you when you are vulnerable. Like those, yeah. are, that's like yes. that's like the thesis statement of this piece, and it's all about power, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's you have yeah. a, like the the pa- doctor patient relationship is one of unequal power. It has to be, yeah, right. And in right. fact, I feel like in the medical profession now, there's sort of this move to like. Well, what is the patient? What are the patient's goals and what do they think about it? And like even doctors who subscribe to that and like like it still to some degree are like, I mean, like this person didn't go to med school. So. Right, 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 right. And, how and, can and, they tell me what their goals really are? Well, and, and, and that's the, like I it was not really a joke earlier when I was talking about, you know, on some level, like, yeah, the doctor does actually know more than the patient and the patient should do it, you know, within within reason and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But. Certainly patient centered care is, is is important and good, but also there's you know, there's a reason you're going to the doctor and not somewhere else. Yeah. Um it's just also I think there's also the problem where I think uh uh I'm trying to think of a, a family friendly way to say this. There's something about um the med- about um the process of becoming a doctor or maybe the personality types that are drawn to it that promotes a certain amount of like dickishness. Mm. <laughs> yes. And so um, As a person uh, who has been to a not. doctor once or twice, I, I know exactly right, yeah, what you're talking right, yeah, about. Yes, exactly. So <laughs> um, it, it's the same way that like a lot of the uh, stuff you see for uh, vaccination, right? Like instead of like trying to convince people who might be on the fence or maybe don't really know what they want to do, it just becomes like everyone is fools. How can you believe this stupid nonsense? You know, uh, and, and you're not if what you're trying to affect is positive change, that probably is not the most effective way to do it. Right. Well, absolute power absolutely corrupts. That's right. And who has more power than than a thoracic surgeon? No one. (laughs) Yeah. Just ask one. Well, and also, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but so we assume Dr. Trask has um, a, uh, uh, he's a psychiatrist, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least he must have done his residency in psychiatry. No, well, I mean, he's the head of the sanatorium, so he's yeah, he's probably he's a psychiatrist now. Are I those are those people uh, top of the top of the food chain in uh, in med school? Oh, medicine. oh man, I mean, no, no, <laughs> no of they're course not. they're not. No, but 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 you know, and in this case, um, uh, you know, if he uh, he has a procedure, he seems to be willing to perform this lobotomy, which uh, I don't really, I, I don't know historically if that was always done by psychiatrists or if they I got like surgeons that. to help him out. I was about I don't to know. ask that. But you also see those like weird like lobotomy needles in museums and stuff, and they just are like, yeah, you just like cram it in there and just wiggle it around a little bit. So I don't, well, they <laughs> don't used know. To, I mean, they used to do lobotomies like out of the back of wagons. I mean, right. like, yeah. like there right. used to be like a traveling lobotomy man. Not that at this period of time. <laughs> Honey, they, the lobotomy man's in town. <laughs> Bring down Nancy. She's been getting a little bit uncooperative around the house. Oh, the lobotomy man is a coming down the street. Um, <laughs> oh, but, man. How great would it be? No, no, no. You want to do something where it's the music man, but the lobotomy man where he convinces the whole town to let him do phony lobotomies on their children to keep them from, like, playing pool and drinking liquor and smoking cigs. Uh, that must have been the first draft. <laughs> and then they were like, I just don't know. Like... 
Corn syrup that, blood is not cheap. You know what is a reusable band? That stands for lobotomy. Stands for lobotomy. Ooh, we got trouble. They're like, we don't even have to show marching band <laughs> instruments until the very last minute, honestly. <laughs> no, no, no. That's, no, okay, right. So he promises that he'll all do the lobotomy. And then in the end, they all realize that their kids haven't had lobotomies. But don't worry, he comes through, <laughs> the equipment arrives, and he performs lobotomies on all the children. But well, it, works, it works fine. So, so it's well, great. No, There's a actually, happy I mean, ending. Like, actually, him doing lobotomies on children. Actually, it ends with him just being like, it doesn't matter because I've already done the lobotomies in my mind. And all the kids just <laughs> act lobotomized anyway. Yep, yep, yep. People are so blinded by love for their children that they will assume they've been lobotomized. That's <laughs> weird. Very weird. Oof. Very weird. Um, yes. So, uh, so I should have I should have kept track while you were talking about all of yours. But so, yeah, sure. like, I kind of like there's like a lot of reasons. I think this is actually kind of an unusual um, bad doctor in media overall. Uh-huh. Usually, the the impetus for what corrupts the doctor and why the doctor murders is well known. And usually it's something like blind ambition, like, right, like they want to prove something like the dead ringers guys are right. are crazy, but they also like, you know, right, they're they're chemically unstable, but right. they also are like have this like weird, um, weird relationship with each other and this um, this uh, sibling rivalry that drives them to do all this crazy stuff. Right. Sure. 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 Um, and that's you see that played out a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or it's just like, well, they know how the inside of the body works, and so they're psychopaths, and they yeah. but they know it's all your weak mad. spots. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. They know how the body works, so they can kill it efficiently. And then you're like, that's supposed to make sense, or not? But what do you think right. drives Doctor Trask? What is Doctor Trask doing? I mean, I think that I think that Doctor Trask is like a is like a bad guy. Yes, uh, but I don't know that he is. I don't know that I don't think this is like a big orchestrated plan from the get go. Like, I think he's he's working to cover up his crime um, and he just happens to be a like a he he's a person society who has all of this, all of this power and clout. And through like like luck, his the, the only person who can incriminate him has completely fallen within his power. Right. Well, you know what I mean? Like, and do you like, remember, I don't th- do you remember why he kills his wife? And do you remember what, like the only thing that is, is halfway resembling a motive throughout this, right? Mm-hmm. Is that he has some sort of heart condition, right? All right. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. He, and, his wife, he, yeah. And he hates loud noises. Right. And his wife wanted to stay at the party and he wanted to come home and, and she's yelling at him and he kills her. Right. Right. He hates yeah. loud noises. And, not only is the person who could be his, bring his downfall, she's fallen mute, right? Mm-hmm, right. I feel yeah, like yeah. they actually should have like way more like they could have punched that a little bit. They harder. They could have yeah. punched that yeah. harder, but I do. It is cool. It's a cool idea where you have yeah. yes. this duality of a of a man who wants to silence, and I think that that's where his power takes place. Like I For am sure. under no. I think that they give you no reason to believe that this his sanatorium is not a bit of a house of horrors. Like, right. But, but but also, but just to say, I don't think that he, I don't think that he intention. I don't think that the plan all along is to entrap Susie and torture her. It, she is just the witness, and he and he and he right. will dispose of her. Right, but I don't think he's good to his other patients. Like when Desk is feeding yeah, her that right. that the spoonfuls of soup, um, the carrots. Once again, Desk. Desk. Um, desk. <laughs> nurse desk. Nurse desk. 
um, nurse practitioner desk uh, is feeding her is feeding her those carrots and she's kind of looking at her and she's like you're not really like the other ones are you and she's like and yeah, she sure. shakes her head and like it's, it's you get the sense that like desk has looked into some pretty broken people's eyes yeah, over of the years yes, yes, yes. and she but, seems but, to have this kind of air about her of like I can't let it bother me because this is my job mm-hmm. but like she knows, she knows. Well, that I mean, Dr. she Trask works at the last grievous stop of the irretrievably insane. Remember? Right, her main job is hitting the. All button these people that are like Nellie Bly. Doors. Yeah, and Nellie Bly per drunk history. Nellie Bly is just so crazy. She's unbelievably crazy. Yeah, well, you, you but you get the sense that Desk kind of knows what the score is, but kind of can't do anything about right. it. Yes, yes, De- 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 Desk knows that something's wrong, and and yeah. that that I think adds to the horror. Yes, of course. I'm not of telling you anything you don't know that, that you know, sort of everyone. It's, it's the whole like kind of societal side. eye. man, does everything have to connect to Jeffrey Epstein? No, but the, that, you know, mm-hmm. every, everybody knows that something wrong is happening, but nobody can quite like piece it together or, you know, have the courage to stand up, you know, unless you're Paul. <laughs> I mean, Paul does his best, but he gets his neck broken. Yeah. And Paul really doesn't do his best, does he? Well, it's Yeah. <laughs> Paul doesn't do his de- best. So Paul, the the central story, I think the story that we are told and are meant to believe between Paul and Susie is that um, they have like a solid marriage. She very much loves him. He very much loves her. Um, <laughs> Happy anniversary, baby. So you c- can we can we dig into some light stuff here for just a second? So they're wearing costumes at the beginning, except for Paul, unless Paul's costume is being being dressed up like a Wall Street stockbroker. He's like my cost. Maybe he's like a Jim Halpert where he's like just has like a name tag and that's his costume. Like it's, it's the, a real it's the, like want one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the ultimate. It's the ultimate uh, medical school Halloween costume, which is like I'm a tired doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The um, uh, I think that's no. what's uh, I think that um, Al- that's uh, what is. Being a being a slave to your own uh, masculine self image, Paul uh, Alex. <laughs> no, but so the um, I'm too masculine for a costume. When it when it opens up right, and she's wearing that that very 80s kitty cat costume, and she's talking to uh, I guess what turns out to be her sister in law wearing the Viking helmet. Um, I was totally expecting the weird husband with the with the American Psycho hair to be the murderer somehow. <laughs> oh, because because I didn't know because I didn't the first time I watched it, I didn't know who the main character was. You didn't pay atten- I didn't pay attention, and you know I sort of vaguely like I had seen the, the like the summary of what it was. So I was like, is he gonna kill her? You know, because because it's also it's Tales from the Crypt, so they're like leaning on a balcony. I'm like, somebody's gonna get thrown off that balcony. You know, check off's balcony. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I was pleasantly surprised that he was the good guy. Um, uh, but also, so he's not wearing a costume, but isn't it an anniversary party? Is there anniversary Halloween? I think so. <laughs> isn't that? Okay, that's a weird choice. That's it is not, a weird choice. We'll get into weird. why I think it's Halloween later. But okay. um, but I want to ambush you now. Okay, I'm ready. Ambushed, which you already know what this ambush is, but that's okay. Um, so I think it's pretty much impossible to watch any piece of media or consume any piece of media. About a woman who undergoes something deeply traumatic, is dealing with the fallout of that, and is just could declare it hysterical by her husband and the medical profession in general, and then tortured because of that hysteria. Hysteria, right? I mean, I think that seems very normal and appropriate. Yeah, of course, <laughs> right. of course. Yes, no. Then, in fact, is my ambush is the same ambush. So we'll just have a super ambush. Ambush. Right. So, I mean, like this brings to mind the yellow wallpaper, classic piece of literature. You mm-hmm. probably read it in um, junior AP English if you took it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but right like about the woman who who uh goes like absolutely loses herself and goes uh insane while on the rest cure which is supposed to fix her of her her need to have meaning in her life mm-hmm. and the rest cure famously was basically if women were um it was mostly uh, prescribed for um, a postpartum depression, I believe, like when women mm-hmm. were supposed to be happy and they weren't. Sure. So anytime that was the case, right? They were, uh-huh. And they were rich. Their husbands would send them out to the country and they would live in these these houses, these rescue homes, and they were basically not allowed to do anything stimulating at all except for one hour a day. Like you could paint for one hour a day or you could talk to other people for one hour a day or read for one hour a day. And then the rest of the time you were supposed to lay down in a bed and they would come in and they would feed you um, milk soaked in bread. Or bread soaked in milk. Either way. So this seems like this seems like exactly oh, yes. the wrong thing milk, to yes. do to people who are like depressed and devoid of meaning. Like sort yeah. of like we're going to put you in timeout until you decide to straighten up your act. You get your brain chemistry right, young lady. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's I mean, like basically, I think what if it did work, quote unquote, I think it was basically like people were like anything but this. You know what? You I'll, want me I'll to pretend, pretend to be happy? I will pretend to be happy. Yeah. No yeah, yeah. problem. Get me out of here. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah. Yes. I, uh, I my, my, the, the, when I, I mean, right. Like, yes, I think there is a clear um, message involving women here. One of the more uncomfortable scenes I did not like is when um, uh, Dr. Task, Dr. Trask kind of figures out what's going on when he's coming out, coming over to the house. And uh, do you like it when he, touches her throat and kind of grabs her throat that was chilling um but yes. when she when she realizes that he realizes and she freaks out and uh, dr trask decides to give her the injection and he says hold your wife mr hastings i'm going to give her something and then she's like restrained and it's fine but it feels kind of rapey yeah. um because you have two men who are like holding a woman down and then like jabbing stuff in her leg it it, it, it just it feels really really bad yeah, um, I think without that, even asking what it is, like Paul is right, not right. like what, what. But again, but again, that, that to be what's fair, that though, big that, old that horse is, deal you're sticking my wife with. That is, that is though, I think does ring true to our faith in the medical profession, right? If you were in a medical situation and the doctor says, "I need to save your your wife's life," yes, and really then you were like, "Well, what exactly are you gonna?" They, they would. Even even if that is a valid question, they'd be like, "Look, man, let me just do my thing. Like, trust me, I'm a doctor." Uh, you know, so it it I don't, it just speaks to like the funny ways that we treat some of this stuff, where it kind of is like, no, just let me do my thing, and we can like talk about this later. But do you want me to do you want me to take care of this or not? You know, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's kind of some even Victorian illusions in here. Like we never see Susie not dressed in white. Like I think she's supposed oh, yeah. to be kind of this like angel of the house figure. Sure. Um, sure. Which makes about- which makes her eventual attack of Trask and eventual triumph over him very surprising, I would say. Yeah. Like more surprising than it really should be. I like it when um when she wakes up in the sanatorium after she gets her little injection and he says <laughs> Paul says to Susie, we put you in the jacket so you wouldn't hurt yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Paul helpful which, Paul. Yeah, yeah. Which again, like again, like, right? He I don't I, I find it hard to blame him uh, at first um, or really at all, because he does like I feel like we're shown that he does come around fairly quickly. You know, it 
it is weird, but I think that's part of the fifties itis that he that he gets a psychiatrist or the psychiatrist is like, Oh, your wife is so insane and he's like, Oh my gosh, really? Can I stay with her? No, you have to leave. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, but like you, Paul, you know, he is yeah. He he is he is imprisoned within social structures and is not how about this? He is not any worse than any other like standard man in that position probably would be. He's just trying to play ball with the medical establishment. And in fact, he's willing to fight for his wife when it becomes clear that something is wrong. It's just that Dr. Trask is too evil and powerful for him to uh snaps to his throat overcome. like a twig. What did that what does Dr. Trask do with his body? Like Great <laughs> he's like, there's been a ter- there's been a terrible accident. The patient's angry husband just happened to die in her room. <laughs> By the way, lobotomies all around. The patient's husband snap broke his own neck because she was tied down the. Oh yeah, side. he was kneeling with force. Uh, it was 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 his hyoid bone intact. No one knows. No one knows. I mean, I assume they feed him into some sort of big sinister uh, body. Right. He, he, he gets crematorium. turned into the carrots. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. 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 Um, but I, I mean, I don't know if it's on purpose, uh, but it does seem. Um, it does seem convenient that it's a sister who's like, wait, what? You did what with your wife? Yeah, That's a real right. bad idea um, yeah. as opposed to Paul. I don't think Paul is a bad guy, but I think Paul is um, is yes. a, a person who is allowing a society that would be like, rest curious. This is what you do with wives. Right, right, right. No, no, right, right, right. Uh, yeah, yes. But it, just to say, like, he, within, like, the rules of the show, as it is sort of, like, set up or whatever. Yeah, he's not a, he's sp- not a bad. He's not the right, bad right. guy. Right, right. No. Right. He's just, you're just supposed to you're supposed to trust doctors and know and go what they're saying. And his wife is like or and his sister is just kind of like, look, man, just use your brain for a second. This seems crazy. Right. And he's like, I do like that. He then is, says something along the lines of like, Susie, I promise I'll never stop doing anything to, you know, I'm, I'm going to save you. Don't worry about it. And then the next scene is just him screaming incoherently. <laughs> at it's just a real weird, just hard switch. there. Yep. Yep. Um. So do you know what the old uh, so what happens to Susie is something that doctors don't think actually happens, correct? Well, so, uh, you know, she could could she have something like conversion disorder, which is kind of a like catch all garbage term, garbage basket term for uh, it's sort of like you have the for whatever. It, it's like people who have like what used to be called hysterical blindness. Sure. That, you know, it's sort of like you have there there you have a psych like a. Uh, you have a psychologically generated um, ailment that that defies physiologic explanation. So, like, you know, it it could happen, I guess. Um, again, right. If, if somebody could, couldn't talk, the, the first thought is never like, oh, I think she's probably just hopelessly insane. Right. Um, you know, but uh, there are I think I think that probably if you dug into like the DSM five and stuff, you could you could find this there. But uh, I feel like you're setting me up for something. So tell me what you know. Um, there used to be a term for this, and mm-hmm. it was called elective mutism. Um, <laughs> and they just decide to be mute. Well, it's called elective because they can't find any phys- like uh, right. yeah, physiological yeah, sure, sure, sure. reason that they wouldn't be able to mm-hmm. speak. But like this was a thing that people used to um, get diagnosed with. It is sure. no longer. Uh, yes, not, not a real diagnosis anymore. Not a real yeah. diagnosis anymore. But they they did think that it was attributed to uh, the effects of trauma. So, like, what happens to Susie in this would fit in this. Yeah, sure, sure. sure. Um, and there and now, basically, what it is is uh, fodder for um, characters in fiction. Yeah, um, sure. The two most famous elective mutes that I could find um, were uh, Ada in the piano is an elective mute. 
oh, who at yeah. the uh, end uh, chooses to speak uh-huh. lear- or learns again how to speak, right? So, uh-huh. but before then, she just has to um, use her piano to, mm-hmm. to convey her Communicate, feelings. yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, hilariously enough, I've never read these books, so I did not know this, but I was pleased to discover that um, Christian Grey of Fifty Shades of Grey became an elective mute at the age of four. Um, I did know that he had a, a horribly checkered past, but apparently the idea behind him is that he witnessed his birth mother overdosing on drugs and dying. Oh, totally and, her fault for being bad. A yep. bad mommy. And then because he was four, he was just stuck in a room with her dead body for days. And you're like, oh my God. Oh, wow. Well, um, and, and, the, and the only thing, and the only thing, quote unquote, wrong with that guy is now he wants to do kinky sex. He came off pretty, came off pretty light. Good for him. Like he's doing just fine. It's very, very durable. But don't worry. Psychologically he was only, durable. He was only an elective mute for two years because he started oh. speaking again when he was six years old. <laughs> Why? I mean, okay, fine. Like, like I'm just saying you need backstory. <laughs> that seems like a really specific, funny, narrow kind of like, and then my speech was delayed for like two years, but uh, I, I, it's fine now. You can tell. Well, he started speaking again when he got a newly adopted baby sister and he said her name. So I think it's supposed to show that like he's capable of love. I don't know. The salvation of the female for the man. That's right. That's probably why they adopt him. It's like, here, Christian, this is like your little pet. Maybe you'll learn yeah. how to talk. Yeah. Um. You know, oh, and I didn't think about this. Uh, Tommy from the musical Tommy is an elective mute. He he is, he's deaf, mute, and blind too, right? Correct. He's an elective all of those things. An elective (laughs) elective elective sensory sensory deprecation. Yes. Yeah. Oh man. What a a good pickup. Yes, of course. Yeah. I do Um, think so, right? Like, and and you know what? Uh, Hard drugs did not fix that for him. Right. Yeah. The gypsy, the acid queen. Um, the, uh, I, I do think that like the, like for, you know, for being sort of medically garbage and everything, uh, it is, it is pretty neat. I think that they do it effectively, um, especially with your, um, revelations of Dr. Trask liking things to be quiet or maybe needing things to be quiet. But in this, you know, the idea that the fear or like Dr. Trask's evil and power has stolen Susie's speech. Like he is so evil and powerful that she can't talk, you know, he's like taken away, taken this away from mm-hmm. her. Almost like like almost magically, you know, right? Um, and that her reclaiming her ability to speak and then choosing not to use that speech or ch- using that that speech and her, you know, autonomy to hurt him and then not using the speech to save him feels very like feels very powerful. I was like, I liked it. <laughs> I was like rising to my feet. I liked it too. Did um did when do you think she learned? When should you think she was able to speak again? I like I for me it feels like right in that moment. Me like, too. I was wondering like, if we were supposed to read it as when she's like gouging his eyes that she could speak, but I don't think so. Cuz I think cuz I don't think that you know I I don't think that she's right. I think we both agree. She really can't talk. I mean, I no, don't no, think No, no, if that, she could talk, she would have talked to Paul or Desk. Right, right, yes. right. And I think she's a, I feel like she's like as surprised as he is. Um and uh Yeah. yeah. There's a couple. Um, I f- there's one issue I have with this episode. I feel like there's a lot of really cool stuff in it, and I don't even think you have to dig that deep to find it. But mm. I don't think that it is. And this is a weird problem for Tales from the Crypt. I don't think it's overt enough. Yeah. 
Um, I don't think that they like punch it. Like I think that she should have had like maybe garbled speech initially or kind of like stuttered over her words and be like, I, I can talk. You know what? I'm not going to talk. Like there could have been like a moment like that. But mm-hmm. there's some ambiguity here, which feels just not as um, it feels not on brand, frankly, for the for the uh, franchise. Yeah, it's it's a little bit it's a little bit more subtle. It's not quite as like exploitive or heavy handed maybe is that what you're maybe kind of uh, getting at maybe i just i don't it's not even i think that the themes still would be subtle and interesting and cool and like pr- mm-hmm. a little bit better than uh. usually what we're served up here like like generally speaking for a trauma for a crypt creepers episode there is cool stuff there right but you sure. do kind of have to scratch pretty hard at the surface to get down Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like and then the source material is good and like you can do that and you can there's like levels to it. And I think it's all supposed to be there. But this one, I mean, like the the fact that it's a guy who's like who flips out at loud noises and he is obsessed with power and like and, and being able to make everything quiet, make everything the way he wants to make it. And then the only person who could catch him. Right. Who could like mm-hmm. dismantle his power he's taken away her voice like that's really cool and that's just in the story like there's no two ways about that but they don't really like punch up like he just kind of casually mentions he likes stuff quiet like it should have been we should have seen like desk speaking to him in like hushed tones it's like clear that he's like yelled at her before like you have to talk to me this way like they could have done more things more world building I guess to explain why the story they were telling was so cool Mm -hmm. um because I think yes. that if you just were a casual viewer, you wouldn't yeah, yeah. think this episode was as cool as it is. Yeah, I, I think you're right. This, this episode actually, to me, feels like it could have maybe been a movie or like a or yeah. longer than it was. Well, it, it reminds the, me like, of weird that kind of. Oh, man, what's oh, it called? Ahead. Wait for Dark, the Audrey Hepburn movie where she's blind. Oh, I, I haven't seen it. Oh, man. The, you should watch it this Halloween because it's an excellent movie. But it's like Audrey Hepburn. She's a blind woman through situations um, she has in her apartment, uh, like, like money or something that's stolen. And these guys come into her apartment, right. Mm-hmm. And start attacking her. And you're like, oh man, she's a blind woman. But then she rips the power out. Like she like, like oh, cuts sure. the power. And so now they are blind. Yeah. So, it's like daredevil. No, not daredevil. It's like Bane. I was born in the dark. I can't do it. Exactly. Anyways. Yes. No, it's, it's a very, I was very born good movie. in the darkness. <laughs> so I kind of expected there to be like, so that you have this like kind of world of silence, but actually her silence, the thing he wanted her, the thing he was using to like control her actually mm-hmm. is how she brings him down. I was expecting kind of an end like that. Yeah, sure. And the, uh, yes, the, uh, Really, the metaphor of like a man who wants everything orderly and quiet is I mean, isn't that isn't that like a doctor or a scientist or a patriarch or a corporate? I mean, that isn't that like being in like being in charge of things is wanting to be is is being Doctor Doctor Trask. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I, it doesn't. I don't even think it has to. It doesn't have to necessarily be patriarchy, except that that is how power in our society works. Yeah. Uh, but no, I thought I thought this thing could definitely be 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 blown out a little bit more. It would get um, the episode looks great. It's very cinematic. It's very 80s, but like in a in, in a good way. Um, I don't think, you know, it feels like a period piece and not like a like some sort of weird pastiche or something. Um, and uh, the setup they spent. I think the setup is pretty good. It's pretty well paced. But but things move pretty rapidly after that. And they could have they could have given it a little bit more room to breathe and it wouldn't have suffered for that. 
Um, no. I like I like the music is, as you pointed out, Frasier esque, which is a little bit weird. Um, but I think only if you notice that, like when when I'm when I'm watching it, I'm not distracted by it too much. Um, I think if I just saw this, like if I were flipping through channels, I saw this, I might have known it was a Tales from the Crypt. But otherwise, I was just like, oh, it's like an anthology, uh, like thriller. Yeah, yeah. Or you'd be like, no, you'd be like, is this like Fatal Attraction, Basic Instant? Which which one of those is this one? <laughs> yeah, it it definitely has a distinct sexy feel. thrillers. Yeah, those yeah. those erotic noirs from the late eighties, early nineties. <laughs> why is why is this erotic noir set in an insane asylum? <laughs> this is distinctly not uh, erotic, though. Yeah, yeah, it's not. Yeah, there's not a lot of. I, I good for them for not like you know having Susie like falling out of having a sexy straight jacket or. In fact, uh, there's she's the afraid he's going to rape her, and he uh, says, "I'm not going to rape Trask, you." Trask, yeah, you know, we are not going to violate you. We we try to keep that to a minimum here, and you're like, "Great, great, don't do I any favors." I did think that was an Dr. interesting Trask. scene. I I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't think he was going to do that because you kind of know him as right. a character, yes. and you know that that's like he's like he's like the fussy serial killer who's like afraid of sex. So I wasn't worried about that right. for her. Um, yeah, I think I think they're establishing that. Though. I think we're supposed to see that he is like yeah, the yeah, cold yeah. cerebral yeah. They were, man. They were who, they overegged that pudding a little you know, bit. Um, yeah, he's doing he's he's doing he's doing the thing where it's like this gives me no pleasure. Yeah, you, you, you um, know. But I did think that that was that was interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that the reason it looks this way, or the reason it's good that it looks this way, right? Is what are those movies about? Like Fatal Attraction and Basic Instinct are basically about. Um, famous and rich people, right, who are embroiled mm-hmm. in and or do themselves horrible things. And basically there is nothing like the like Johnny Law can't do a damn thing about it. Right. Like Johnny mm-hmm. Law can't do anything about Glenn Close and Fatal Attraction because they're like, I mean, she's just a woman. And also, like, you're a rich man, <laughs> Michael Douglas. And in Basic Instinct, they're like, I mean, she's a sexy woman. And there's nothing you really can do about that. Again, Michael <laughs> Douglas. <laughs> I like your I like your New York. I like your erotic thriller New York cop. <laughs> she's a woman. It's, she's just she's a broad, a yeah. dude. What's the, wrong with you? Yeah. Maybe we might be we might be kind of doing this episode uh, a little bit of disservice to compare Way it to dumber. Them, I think and those are not so aged as well. Like, so sort of and more misogynistic, oh, yeah. where it's just kind of like, what can you? Because as you said, it's like, what can you do about a sexy yeah. lady? Fatal Attraction is sexy. definitely a misogynistic you know, like, movie. It is right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, or what's the gosh? What's the one um, with uh, Madonna in it that features like corrective oh rape, or at least oh, not really corrective Warren rape, Beatty. but like it's um, the movie she. I thought it was. Um, is it Warren Beatty? I thought Willem Dafoe. Isn't it Willem Dafoe in it? And like he like handcuffs Jesus. her and sodomizes her or something like that. Like the cop like rapes her at some point. It's not corrective because I guess she's not. We don't. We're not given to understand. I don't think that she uh, has an alternative lifestyle. But like it totally. You're supposed to totally be like, yeah, get it. You're oh, just, man, so horrible. horrible. Um, could it be called Body yeah. of Evidence? Oof. Yeah, Body of Evidence. Um, Hundred yep. percent. Yep. Not great. Yeah. Not, um, not, not great. But yeah, no, it's. <laughs> So, so, so this one is not so listeners. This it's not like not that at like all. And I think that the thing that's <laughs> nice about it is that they they got rid of the the sexy part of those stories. Um, yeah, it's just it just looks well, cool and, it's and slick because in the like 80s. I think that this episode is about power and 
in the 90s. Sure, sure. Yeah. It's got to be about money, right? So now this is a story about like white collar criminals, right? Right. The and and right being a doctor, the ultimate white con. Well, I don't know. Or is being like a banker the ultimate white whatever. white coat white criminals? Coat criminals? Hello. Um, which leads me into why I think that this story is. Well, and so I'll finish up with this life last thought. But I mean, like you could sit, you could understand potentially like if Patrick Bateman had gone to gone to med school, he would be telling a story from Doctor Trask's oh, yeah. perspective, yes. right? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yes, I I wrote in my notes dark Fraser right? spinoff question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. so I do think this is a Halloween episode. Um, I think that uh, mm-hmm. well, a lot of the things I read about this for people were like, why are they in costumes? The anniversary party. And it is <laughs> weird. It's like another here. one of those weird subtleties. You think that they could have had a line where she could have been like, it was weird. We met at a Halloween party. Um, or, or or you could just or just have some like Halloween. De- just have like happy Halloween. Yeah, make it as, clear like, a that it's Halloween. Or like, some, yeah. Like a jack o' um, I do. I mean, I think it is pretty. I mean, they're dressed up in Halloween costumes, right? And like, <laughs> yeah, you know, they're wearing Halloween. Here's here's what happens. Here's how you do it. Actually, Paul comes in and is like, "Oh, it's the last of the trick or treaters." You know, like like, how about you guys leave so I can <laughs> so I can give my wife her <laughs> give jewels. my wife her jewels. Um, no, just remember, he's like, "I love." Do, do you love his burger? Happy anniversary, what? baby. <laughs> When he, uh, when he, when he, when after she witnesses the murder, and then he like shows up and definitely has what looks yeah. to me like a Tiffany's bag or something, and he says, uh, and he does like a bogey voice, and he's like, "Happy anniversary, sweetheart!" And then she can't talk, and he's like, "Oh my gosh, to the town, town square! square. I'll put down my jewels, though." Um, first, yeah, you know, there's there's definitely like a tennis yeah, bracelet sure. or something in there. Um, <laughs> but I think it's Halloween episode because I think it is a comment on disguises and human respectability. So, right? Oh, yeah. I think so, that's, every day, yeah, every yep, day yep, we put it, on the costumes of you. society that we want people to think about us, right? So, Dr. Trask every day puts on this white coat, and underneath it, he's like a, a you know, he has, he's, he's psychotic, right? Yeah. But he puts on his Halloween yeah, yeah, yeah. costume. He's, he's monster. Yep. So, like, this is the one day a year where everyone is, like, what they think they want to be or want to pretend to be. Meanwhile. Sure. Right? Sure. Um. Right. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. He probably also puts on one of those hydrating mint masks. Oh, absolutely. Like Pat Bateman does. Absolutely. Do you think? Do you think Doctor Trask though, his weak heart probably can't do over no, a thousand no, crunches? No. He can't even handle like a dosy dough around a around a padded cell room. I, I this man is this man is fragile. Yeah, it, it it is kind of funny how often in the episode in the episode he seems to sort of like collapse, exhausted next to her, and kind of monologue about like what's what That's the funny. deal is. It's like, oh, well, at least while I'm here, here, we'll just talk about how irredeemably oh, crazy, so crazy you are. So what do you think about the final shot? I was watching it today, um, like rewatching it, you know, before before recording. And it's kind of chilling. Where the part laughs? where you see her through the the camera. Yeah. And she laughs and she looks relieved and then she looks scared. And then like she makes that, that it just kind of ends. And I, you know. <sighs> I don't think that this fits in with the story exactly, but, you know, it's almost like one of those things with like, has the experience driven her mad, Um, which is the show. Hopefully this episode is better than that, but, but she does look crazed and ambiguous and she does have kind of an ambiguous uh, uh, interaction with uh, Dr. Trask where he says murderer. And she says, like you. And he says, like you. And then he dies. Um, which I think is awesome because I love I, I don't don't I mean you as a 
outspoken woman must get this all the time uh, from terrible men and just terrible people. The kind of like, aren't you supposed to be better than this? Aren't you supposed to be tolerant? So I do like that. They're just kind of like, look, Tress needs to die. No, she doesn't have to, like, sound the alarm because right. she's the good guy. I mean, she could have been like, you're uh, under arrest, you know, for murder. But no. Right. No, but you, but you know what I mean? Like, I think that's I think yeah. that's actually awesome because, yeah, no. And if I recall correctly, she tells him that he deserves to die or he needs to die or something like that. And she's 100 percent right. You know, she doesn't have to this this idea of like having to like uh, litigate the situation or she has to play on yeah, higher terms stupid. or something like that is, is just like a bunch of facile crap. And uh, so I do like it that she is like, no. You are dying and I am not helping you. Yeah. And yes, that is yeah. like murder. I don't know. I Yeah, I think the end, I think they kind of didn't know how to end it potentially. I just think it's chilling. Yeah. Like I, it works for me. I don't, it doesn't have to be ambiguous. You know, you know what I mean? We don't, I don't, I don't need to, I mean like her life is ruined, right? Yep. Her husband is dead. Um, how, how she gets out of that cell. I'm not, you know, I'm not sure what happens next, <laughs> but maybe people die at, uh, at the, at the asylum so often that they'll just like, Oh, you know, it's just another accident. Hey, look, this woman's cured. Let her out. Yeah, I, I, I kind of got it as a sense of like, she's now like, now what? Which yeah. which is a fair question to ask at that point. No, and, and, and if so, allows for like an even deeper understanding. Like that makes me like the episode a little bit more and that it sort of acknowledges that like, you know, she's going hooray, to we life. won. Yeah. But like at what cost or even just like, hooray, we won. But look at all this terrible stuff that's happened, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Now I have to rejoin society. Right. How do you rejoin society after? Got to put on your yeah. your your people suit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> oh man. All right, let's rate the sucker. Rate the turkey. All right. So I give this episode. I really liked it. I think it's good. Um, I liked it. A subtle. I like a good evil doctor uh, situation. Um, I think it's pretty good. Maybe not like the best of the best. This is no uh, no threes a crowd. But I give this one four out of five mild sedatives. I like it. Um. I also really liked it. I wish I wish that they I feel like there's some uh, hiding your light under a bushel mm-hmm, sure. about this episode. And I think that um, I think they definitely had the the talent to uh, push it a little bit farther. And it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have taken away from the subtlety or the coolness of it to potentially hit us over the head a bit harder with some of the themes, because I think they're interesting themes and they're they're uh, unique, especially in this space. Um so I gave it, but I still think it was really good. Um, and I think if you're going to do the work, it deserves three out of five sinister syringes. Oh, awesome. All right. So next time uh, we have a classic haunted house piece by way of Geraldo Rivera in a television terror. Ooh. Thanks for listening to Crypt Creepers. Please check us out on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or the podcatching platform of your choice to subscribe rate and review us of course that helps us with the algorithms to be seen etc etc um, be sure to visit us at outrageousmechanisms.com slash crypt dash creepers to see our show notes and find other excellent podcasts um, we are dipping our toe into the social media and email uh, landscape so continue to watch our show notes and we will continue to update you um, till next time kitties Susie didn't find Dr. Trask's plan humorous. In fact, I think she might have overreacted. Oh. A lobotomy might not be so bad. She could have let him give it a shot. Alas, his efforts were all in vain. Oh. <laughs>
I like it. <laughs> Outrageous.